You like to watch new stuff, right? Well, go to Hulu and see what's new, because Hulu has new stuff all the time. Like Vanderpump Villa, the new docudrama starring Lisa Vanderpump, where first-class luxury meets world-class drama. A new season of The Kardashians starring The Kardashians, of course. And Grand Cayman, Secrets in Paradise, the sizzling new reality show set in the tropical Caribbean. It's all new and it's streaming now on Hulu. Okay, let's do some quick math. The less your business spends on operations, on multiple systems, on delivering your product or service, the more margin you have and the more money you keep. That's obvious. But with higher expenses on materials, employees, distribution, and borrowing, everything costs more. To reduce costs and headaches, smart businesses are graduating to NetSuite by Oracle. Here's the thing. Information is power. Information is money. Literally, the currency of today's world of of entrepreneurship is information. And if you could bring all of the, the information about your business into one dashboard, this is incredibly valuable. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system, bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, HR into one platform and one source of the truth about your business. With NetSuite, you reduce IT costs because NetSuite lives in the cloud with no hardware required, access from anywhere. You cut the cost of maintaining multiple systems because you've got one unified business management suite and you're improving efficiency by bringing all of your major business processes into one platform, slashing manual tasks and errors. This is so valuable. You just hit a button and you can see all the information about your business instead of having to like call five different departments and get all these emails and put it all together and make sense of it. Over 37,000 companies have already made the move. So do the math, see how you'll profit with NetSuite. Backed by popular demand, NetSuite has extended its one-of-a-kind flexible financing program for a few more weeks. Head to netsuite.com slash james, netsuite.com slash james netsuite.com slash james this isn't your average business podcast and he's not your average host this is the james altucher show today on the james altucher show We have the technology right now to grow younger. I talk about this with Sergey Young, the author of The Science and Technology of Growing Young. We talk about everything from good habits for anti-aging, the technologies that exist now, to the technologies that are going to exist in just five to 10 years. If you're born right now, it's very likely that you'll live to be at least 200, according to Sergey, and he explains why he explains all the latest research. He explains what you could do right now, even if you're not born right now. If you're 50, 60, I'm 53. I want to live to 200. I hope I don't get bored. So again, his book is The Science and Technology of Growing Young, and he gives practical advice, dividing into two parts. The first part is what is all the technology? Where are we heading? Second part is where he starts to give me real practical advice and what specific technologies he's waiting for that he's confident are going to help him grow younger. So enjoy. Here's Sergey Young with The Science and Technology of Growing Young.
Whether it's anti-aging, anti-stress, career success, case in point, not everybody is a good-looking person, but you need to kind of present your yeah, best self. to shine a little bit. Yeah. yeah. What's on the library of someone who wants to live 200 years old? So I'm seeing about 30 or 40 books in the background here. I'm sure you have more, but uh, well, what are some of these books? So you have the the Eat to Beat Disease. Yeah, okay. So William Lee and uh, Eat, Eat to Beat Disease. Um, it's Ray Kurzweil called Fantastic Voyage. And uh, Fantastic Voyage. I, I don't think I know that one actually by, by oh, Ray. Really? You're, you're on you're on the uh, XPRIZE committee, which he's involved yeah. in, right? Yeah, exactly. And uh, what else? Uh, Jamie Metzel and Hakim Darwin. Uh, yeah, Jamie's been on the podcast a bunch of times. Very good guy. Okay, cool. Um, I have to assume you have David Sinclair's book. Yeah, obviously, on, David uh, Sinclair, a very, very good friend. and uh, He's on the podcast a bunch of times. Oh, yeah, yeah. I'm pretty sure in that. Yeah, it's uh, uh, the Plant Paradox by Stephen Gundry. So that's... Uh, oh, yeah. Steve, Stephen's been on a bunch of times, yeah, uh, okay. with, both with this that book great. and the recipe I, book. Have you had Scott Galloway? Of course, Scott Galloway's a, a regular. Okay, I love it. I mean, obviously, I started with the four, but then it's uh, he has the other book called um, uh, Happiness. What was the happiness? Uh, okay, the happiness book. There's, there's some other word there, which I think is. Uh, oh, and I see you have um, Factfulness by Han Rosling, who yeah, has not been on because he's sadly is, passed yeah. away. I have Why We Why We Sleep by Matthew Walker. This is actually the book okay. which changed my approach to sleep, like my view of this yeah, sleeping overall in terms of the impact on our health and longevity as well. Uh, latest Dave Asprey book. Oh, yeah, I have that book. Uh, Dave, Dave has, has, of course, been a regular. Yeah, I'm a big fan of uh, fasting. I fast 36 hours a week. Uh, I'm actually on my, today is my fasting day. So it's Monday evening to Wednesday morning. Um, what else? I'm a big fan of Jared Diamond. Yeah, and I see uh, Guns, Germs, and Steels yeah, in the yeah, background, yeah. and you're like, holding up Collapse. Yeah, my whole journey with, um, with um, Jared Diamond started, obviously, with, uh, with uh, this book. But then I, yes, other books are just incredible. And specifically, like Rapamycin started with one of the Pacific Ocean Islands. And that's one of our longevity drug candidates, right? So it's very interesting interrelation with uh, what he says. Um, it's Jonathan Hyde, uh, Happiness Hypothesis. Oh, yeah. Yeah, amazing. Sure. Uh, I kind of like this uh, book. What else? Uh, James Clear, Atomic Habits. Yeah, good guy, friend of mine. Of course. I mean, you know, like, half of the planet anyway. So you have a very... And uh, I think it's Andrew Scott... Uh, the new I don't guy. know that one. Yeah, because he's the author of the 100-year uh, life book. Uh, he's British professor, I think, in London School of Economics. But um, So I'm, I'm actually very jealous about what you do and your role because my you know, book journey was a three-year journey. And I miss that because in the process of writing, I had so many interesting conversations like, Martin Rodblatt, David Sinclair, George Church, Bob Langer, the founder of Moderna, even Peter Jackson uh, about the future of human avatars uh, and like ethics of longevity and us living much longer. I mean, it's beautiful. I'm already dreaming about my second book. Oh, what do you think you'll say? You know, you should, um, 
you should write fiction next, you know, because you bring up in your book, mm -hmm. and, and I don't want to get too much into the ethics of longevity because yeah. I don't think it's interesting. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, um, but you bring up this concept of, you know, will there be, and Yuval Harari brings this up also in yeah. Homo uh, Deus, but, uh, you know, you bring up the possibility that there might be some people who are, because of wealth or other means, get to live longer and other people don't. Well, that divides society into two strata. Yeah. I had this conversation with Yuval Harari where technology, as you know, moves so fast. Like look at the, sequ the ch cheapness now of the sequencing of the human genome that I don't think there's enough time for two classes to be created. That technology will, will move forward so fast that it doesn't matter how much money, it's like the human genome now, 20 years ago cost a million dollars a sequence. Now it costs less than yeah, 50 it bucks. Was, it was actually so, like $3 billion. Right now, like for 200 bucks, you can do, you, you kind of cool with that. I agree with that. But yeah, sorry. No, James, go oh, on. Oh, oh, I just want to, I just want to add Rogers Lasney, a, a science fiction writer from my youth, uh, has a book like this, uh, where a bunch of human like beings figure out immortality and become gods over the other yeah. humans that they yeah. suppress. Yeah. But, and then one rebels and, and on and on. But, um, I don't think it's an, I, your whole stuff on the ethics of immortality interests me zero because yeah. it's clear we all want to live longer and have a higher quality of life. And anyone who is a philosopher about this is just full of shit. But <laughs> I just want, I want to introduce you though, as, uh, you know, you're, you're Sergey Young, uh, founder of the longevity vision fund, which I want to talk about a little bit. Yeah. It, the book's called the science and technology of growing young an insider's guide to the breakthroughs that will dramatically extend our lifespan and what you can do right now forward by Peter Diamandis, who's a, a, an old friend has been on this podcast many times and Ray Kurzweil, uh, who is author of the book, uh, famous book, the Sing singularity is near and every few months I have someone on, and this goes back to 2014. I had Dan Butner on with the blue zones and then more recently, David Sinclair with his book lifespan, but I'm always interested in longevity and the latest research and I'm, and your book is great. It covers so many different issues. Um, and uh, I'm really glad you're on. Thank you for, for coming on. It was, a, it was a good book and I'm glad I can ask you all the questions so that I selfishly, even if we have zero listeners, I selfishly will want to live longer. <laughs> I'm very excited. Oh, good. So just to start it off, how long do you think someone born today will be able to live? And more importantly, how long will I be able to live? <laughs> okay, how old are you, James? 53. Okay, I'm 49, so we kind of cool. We, we in, You're a young baby. Yeah. So um, remember, I mean, we're living in, in, in pretty unique intersection of breakthroughs in science and technology and very unique point of, of evolution. I think first time in our history, in the next 10 to 20 years, we will have the science and technology to break this sound barrier of 122 years. This is the maximum lifespan that we have for the record on earth, thanks to this beautiful French woman who died in the age of 122, 20 years ago. And I love, I love the story where somebody offered to <laughs> buy, buy her house in a form of an annuity yeah. uh, where he would pay her, you know, certain amount per month until she dies. And then she outlived him. Exactly. And then his family was paying the, the same thing until she died. She actually dropped smoking in the age of 117. So, okay. So 
and 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 we'll segue and break off in different yeah. parts. So, well, like, I just want to come so- back to your question, right? Because it's we we yes. did discuss we we're going to be selfish and egoistic today a little bit, right? Just trying to serve yes. ourselves and uh, and humanity uh, in the same time. So, for you and me, I think we will obviously will be able to break the sound barrier. So it's going to be obviously above 122 years. I would actually think it's going to be anywhere between 130 and 150 years. For someone who is born today, 200 years is not even a number. Because what we will achieve um, in a few decades from now, that like every five to 10 years, you will need to make a choice. Whether you're living, whether you're extending your healthy and happy life by another decade or so, it's going to be like a series of life extension decisions that we would need uh, uh, to do in the future. I'm very optimistic about our ability to break the sound barrier. Having said that, I just, I, I really want to be upfront and sincere about this whole thing. Right now, it's a promise that at least you and I we will not be able to confirm, you know, for the next, what, 70 years. So in a way, like whatever the number I'll promise you today, it's going to be another 50 or 70 years until we actually, you know, we'll be 100 or 120 years old and we'll be able to check. So in a way, well, it's an easy thing for me to promise. It's uh, we just need to live longer. But like world in 50 years from now going to be completely different. Well, I'm I'm holding you to it, Sergey. If I die before the age of 100, I'm coming after you. So Okay, great. <laughs> I love it. I love to be accountable. From what I understand from from your book and other books I've read and people I've spoken to, you could almost divide this into layers. Like there's the habits we could change now yeah. that will make us live longer. Yeah. And and you say this in your book, first rule of longevity don't die. Mm-hmm. And so there are a lot of things you can do to alleviate the risk of heart disease, strokes, cancers, you know, like you say, eliminate smoking, uh, sleep better, uh, uh, eat better, uh, don't drink alcohol and, and so on. Um, and then the next layer might be like, as David Sinclair puts it, treating aging as an illness. So there's th- things like NMN and rapamycin that you just mentioned, yeah, you know, pills warm. that we could take that maybe now will help us. And then furthermore, there's um, potential technologies like the Yamanaka factors mm-hmm. or stem cells. And then of course, there's the science fiction aspect, which is of telepresence and avatars. And you know, maybe we could put our consciousness in another mortal shell and keep on doing that. And, and also with, with, with genomics, we can reverse any genetically related disease. And as George Church mentions, every disease is a genetically related disease. Yeah. So that gives us a good chance. So, so let, let's start off. I, I want to skip the habits part because everybody pretty much has a good yeah, sense Yeah, I mean, of- it's really obvious. Yeah, people feel very bored when I tell them that they need to eat healthy and do their annual checkup. Yeah, I haven't, I haven't done the second part of that in 30 years, but I should do it. Uh, but I, I, I do want to mention about the, the um, eating is that you find that a lot of foods do create inflammation. It's obviously better to eat clean organic food than candy all the time. So this, you know, and you mentioned, you mentioned earlier, you fast 36 hours every week. I do intermittent fasting. I try not to eat just like Stephen Gundry. I try not to eat until like between five and 7 PM and, you know, eat little and eat early 
um, but you don't want to restrict calories too much or you have an unpleasant life. But I, I, I do believe that why, if, if some foods have poison in them, even small amounts, the less you eat of poison, the better you are and the less taxing it is on your intestines and so on to digest too much food and, and, and so on. But let's go on and I'll let you speak now. <laughs> the first thing I want to ask is what's the story with NMN, you know, or, or, you know, NAD plus related pills and, you know, resveratrol, you know, the stuff that David Sinclair talks yeah. about. Okay. So basically what's going to happen is, is in the next five to 10 years, we're going to have completely different, um, kind of form of drugs. And right, I mean, right now, if you go to pharmacy and you ask for pills against aging, they will think you're crazy or they will send you to a cosmetic section or supplements. So what we have right now in development, we have a number of longevity drug candidates and the beauty of them, they actually working uh, to find aging rather than particular disease. So that's gonna be a revolution. So this is the concept of viewing aging directly as an illness, as opposed to trying to slow down heart attacks and strokes and cancer. All of these are byproducts of aging as opposed to aging exactly. being byproducts of those. Exactly. So like every drug of this kind is going to be super efficient. So it's going to be at least five to 10 times more efficient in terms of helping you uh, to live healthier, longer, and even happier life. So that's, that's actually very important to understand. Um, why is that happening? And as, as always in medicine, part of the inventions happening just simply by coincidence so that was the case with metformin. Metformin is anti-diabetics drug, is a very old drug. It's 50 or 60 years old, right? It's generic now. In fact, if you speak to Neil Barzilai, the man behind the TAME trial, this huge multi-thousand people trial that we're starting in the US to, to, to test whether metformin is, uh, is a longevity drug. For, it, it's an anecdote. For his trial, metformin is cheaper than placebo. Can you imagine well, that? So this is how wait, wait. cheap this thing can be. And so, so just to be clear, metformin is a prescription drug for yes. diabetes. And do you find that a lot of anti-diabetes drugs tend to be related to anti-aging? So what, what we've seen, and this is how it works with the diet intervention and uh, whatever can lower your um, level of glucose uh, uh, in, uh, in the blood tend to work much better in terms of your life extension. So this is not like the only uh, candidate or the on, it's not the only substance that um, can extend your life. Just simply helping you to regulate your glucose cycle. So that's, that's pretty important. And like, even if you speak to the most skeptical guys, like, I don't know, Aubrey de Grey, even he agrees that caloric restriction and managing your glucose level from metformin or through diet restriction is like a simple way to a two, three, or even five uh, happy and healthy years to a life. So that's that's very important. And 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 let me ask this: so metformin's prescription, but a very from what I've been told, I'm not a doctor, obviously. Yeah. From what I've been told, and a, a a drug I'm taking, not a drug but a pill, is a uh, berberine, which has a very similar effect as as metformin, but yeah. it's not a prescription yeah. drug. Yeah. 
Yeah, you can take exactly. So, um, what people ask me, like, whether I should take metformin or not? What what I'm telling them, first of all, I'm not a doctor, right? So they should see their own um, uh, doctor and discuss that. My general rule: if you're above sixty, uh, it probably makes sense to push and take metformin now. Uh, if you below that, there's number of lifestyle interventions you can do now and wait for the outcome of the TAME trial, which is going to be uh, available to us in five years from now, to see if you should take this um, longevity pill. And how are they um, testing for longevity with metformin? So basically what, what is happening is, um, well, they have two groups, the one with... Um, who taking metformin, the one who's taking placebo, people don't know what they what they taking, and and different um, uh, different doses of uh, metformin. Uh, so that's one. They looking at two things. One is very old, and one is very new. Uh, the very old thing is like what are the mortality rates in uh, in these groups? Like how many people died by the end of the study or in the course of the study? And like compare this. Um, this thing. And again, I'm telling that this is very old thing because this is how studies, um, this is how we thought about human trials um, through the whole evolution of our healthcare. So you, you just take a group of very old people and you sit and wait until some of them die. This is a very long feedback loop. So, and this is very old thing. I think what we've created in the last uh, five to seven years, we've created biological clocks. So right now, you can take your uh, blood test, look at number of indicators, like uh, probably the maximum one is like 44, and then you create your biological age index. So whatever is your passport age, your body age can be different. And uh, so they're gonna measure number of indicators, they're gonna measure biological clocks of participants in all groups and compare, is there any life extension or age reversal effect that metformin has on particular group. So that's actually very important because with biological clocks, you can measure your age and how old or young your body and mind is almost you know, every day or every month. So your feedback loop for a lot of experiments in healthcare uh, and longevity is uh, right now completely different and very short, which is great. So Sergey, a couple of questions about that. One is, some of that must be genetic. Like, are there people who yeah. genetically have a biological age mm -hmm. because they're, yeah. that is much lower than their actual age because their parents and grandparents yeah. and great-grandparents yeah. were also very good at that? Of course. So, and, and this is actually why I'm always bringing the fact that, um, I forgot what was the name of this uh, wonderful French woman, why, that she was smoking until age of 117. So right now, if you look at centenarians, these are the people who live 200 years and, and above, uh, it's a wrong model for longevity because they've been really lucky in genetic lottery. I mean, obviously they had their environment right, their uh, food right, right? They're living in mountains or in islands. They, they have to walk and they have to work physically. Um, so they're just not sitting uh, on a chair all the time. But um, what is happening right now, everyone who lives really longer has this certain component of being lucky in genetic lottery. And this is exactly what we want to fix. So if you look at the studies, uh, depending on the study, 30 or 40% of our ability to live longer 
is predefined by our genes. You can be lucky or you can be unlucky. I mean, you can get rare genetic disease. And why we say this is, I mean, this disease is rare, they're not that rare at all. Uh, 400 million people on earth suffer from we call rare disease. They, not only, they, they are not only of genetic nature, but that's, that's a lot as well. So, and uh, what has happened in the last 10 years, we've developed our, our understanding of longevity genes. So right now we know almost all 3000 genes in our DNA, uh, which are responsible for our ability to live longer in a healthy and again in happy state. So as soon as we have uh, an opportunity and we have the technology and science to uh, change these genes, replace them, or just change an expression uh, of them, or use alternative tools um, for uh, our DNA to express uh, it in a way which supports our, us living longer in a healthier state, that's going to be great. So in 10 or 20 years time, we'll have this ability to amend our DNA. And, and my belief that what will prevent us from using that is not going to be science, it's not going to be technology, it's going to be public perception, it's going to be regulation and the ethical things. Yeah, so, so uh, I want to talk about genetics in a little bit uh, because I think that's a very, that's going to be, I feel like we're near a tipping point there, just, we you are. know, and by tipping point, I mean, who knows, five years, 10 years, 20 years, but close enough in terms of the age of civilization. But so we've mentioned metformin. What do you think about these um, NAD plus drugs like NMN or NR or whatever? Okay, so what is happening? There's like whatever these substances we see in pharmacies, it's uh, two very distinctive and completely different categories that we see. So one is drug right, or prescription drugs. They've been developed in the course of at least 12 years with a cost of on average 2.6 billions. They went through three phases of different trials and they've been approved by FDA, okay? So that's very important. And, and, and this is where you can find reliable solution with the zero or minimal side effects. So this is where my hope is. I'm, I'm really looking for drug against aging, not necessarily for supplement against aging, right? So that's, right. that's my response number one. That's why I'm more optimistic about rapamycin, metformin in the midterm. In three, five, seven years from now, we're gonna have it, right? And it's completely different safety protocol and safety regime, if you want, for the long-term consumption of this. So then you have the other extreme, is supplements. Well, the problem with supplements, they're not regulated. So in a way, you just self-report that it's kind of safe and uh, it can produce certain results, but it's not necessarily confirmed by regulator, by FDA, who's responsible for your safety. So that's a tricky thing. So like my only option to build a judgment for NMN or any like NAD plus booster that we have now on the market. It just, you know, ask some people and, uh, and see if they get any results. So when people started to take NMN and I had, I'm obviously me every day I'm meeting someone from who's just crazy about longevity. NMN is a current hype and current love. Uh, I also have it here. Uh, 
Yeah, I can show it to you. Unfortunately, not to the, oh, yeah. to the audience, right? It's Alive by Nature. Which is the brand that uh, David Sinclair recommends. Uh, yeah, so, and, and it's actually, it's sublingual, so you just put it in your mouth. I think it's a more natural and more efficient way to consume an MA. So I'm taking this. So I spoke to, what, like Eric Verdon, the head of Buck Institute of Aging Research, David Sinclair, Peter Diamantes, and consistent feedback that I'm, I'm having. Guys, when we started to take it, like our performance, level of energy changed in the course of 30 to 60 days. So I tend to believe in that. So that, that's thought number one. And thought number two, the, the beauty of supplements, I'm big believers in supplements, even with all the caution and risks that I just explained that it's not regulated, you need to control the quality, no one knows if they work or not. Um, the beauty of supplements is um, because of placebo effect. So if you actually believe it works, it works for you for 30 to 40%. In fact, in some of the... Um, like a medical trials for drugs, like the biggest competition the drug received was from placebo group because people believed that it works and it's actually made a lot of changes to their body and, and the health of it. So in a way, I'm cool with 30 to 40% effect. So I'm taking somewhere around like 20 supplements every day. Again, and if in, in even if this is defined by placebo effect, I'm like typical placebo guy. I'm, I, my motto is to live 200 years in 25 years old body. And when I started to reiterate it every morning and every evening, I actually became younger, full of energy. And like every morning when I wake up, I have three-fourths of my life ahead of me. What, what do you mean? Like you say that to yourself or? Well, you, yeah, you just like, you know, do manifestation or you just yeah. you have it a thought like I'm going to live 200 years in the body of 25 years old man. Um, but I'm, I'm adding like healthy and happy because we need to be careful with what we're asking for from universe. So I'm like, it should be 200 healthy and happy years, uh, not just statistically average uh, years. I have to say, Airbnb has changed my life. I just love staying in Airbnbs. Like in about a month, I'm going to Cocoa Beach, which is right next to Cape Canaveral. I'm going to watch some rocket launches. I'm going to, of course, be staying in a very nice Airbnb on the beach. And it's just such a great experience. Like the whole world is available to us now because of Airbnb. But whenever I'm at an Airbnb, I always realize, you know, I the home that I left to come to this Airbnb, I could be making money on that right now by hosting and, and being an Airbnb myself. So, and I've known people, I had a friend who basically, you know, made a living from turning his home into an Airbnb. So if you have a home, but you're not always at home, you do have an Airbnb there. And it's an e it can easily fit into your lifestyle and it's a great way to earn some money. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. The famous Abraham Lincoln quote says, good things come to those who wait. 
I wonder, did he really say that? Jay, did he really say that? Can you look that up? Regardless of who said it, that's only part of the quote. The full quote is, good things come to those who wait, but only the things left by those who hustle. Well, if you're a business owner and want the best people on your team, the same applies. And listen, I've interviewed 1,500 people now and a lot of entrepreneurs. I can safely say the one thing consistent among all entrepreneurs and CEOs, the, the successful ones, is that it's all about the people you surround yourself. You, if you hire well, you're going to have a great business. And you know, thankfully, ZipRecruiter puts the hustle in your hiring. So you find qualified candidates fast. This is so important, and I, I want you to try it. You could try it as a potential employer or employee. You can try it for free at ZipRecruiter.com slash James. ZipRecruiter's smart technology finds top talent for your roles right away. Immediately after you post your job, if you're hiring, ZipRecruiter's matching technology starts showing you qualified people for it. And I will tell you that I signed up on ZipRecruiter as a potential employee. You know, I just wanted to see how it works. And right away, it started matching me with really amazing potential employers. So give it a try at ZipRecruiter.com slash James. Let ZipRecruiter give you the hiring hustle you need. See why four out of five employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate within the first day. Just go to ZipRecruiter.com slash James to try it for free. Again, that's ZipRecruiter.com slash James. ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. This is related to kind of the old school thinking, but what's what's the relationship between stress and longevity? I know stress mm-hmm. creates inflammation in the cells, yeah. which creates, I don't know, all the things you listed as causes of aging, yeah. you know, later on in the book. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, how much do you focus on reducing stress? Um, very much so. So when we, uh, when we move to our, like what I can do now, boring horizon, uh, I have five buckets there. So first is check up on the last number one called peace of mind. And it's funny that you're saying that, James. Then every time when we start to think about our health, our default mode, we're thinking about our physical health. So we often neglect the idea and, and the priority of supporting our mental health, right? And uh, releasing stress. So that, that's very important. What is happening is, is the following. We all living in today's world have extremely high cortisol level. And cortisol is a stress hormone level. And that's okay. And it, it was designed to be that way by mother nature, but only for the very small period of time. Like we, we see something scary in the forest, we need to run. But then you know, just a few minutes, you know, or uh, I don't know, 30 minutes after this response, the level of cortisol should go down. And this is your healthy condition, like predetermined by mother nature and evolution. What is happening now? We have these constant shocks. We have this constantly negative news, right, from the media. We have the stress at work. We have the stress at, in, you know, on the streets, uh, in the family. So the problem of humanity today, we have extremely high, consistent, consistently high uh, level of cortisol in our blood. And this is really bad because it takes out the um, space from the other very important hormones, like the one who you know make us men and 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 women, uh, and um, it actually prevents you from recovery during sleep, and um, 
it's it's actually like pretty unhealthy. So statistically, with very high level of cholesterol, you're going to be living anywhere between three to seven years uh, shorter than the average. And I I feel like like you know, it's sort of like you said earlier. We used to see a lion, and and our cortisol yeah. would spike up. Yeah, we'd run. Yeah, and then the cortisol would come down. But now we're just staring in front of the computer, so we're not running, and we have this constant simmering, more elevated cortisol level. Like it's almost like you're seeing the lion on Twitter or Facebook or whatever, but you don't run, and it just stays there all day. Like exactly. I almost think like having no opinions is the best way to reduce stress. Yeah, so look, I'm, I took out all my you know, chances to see the news, to hear the news. Yeah, I'm in the books, and you know, sometimes yeah, I can go to Netflix and see something that I really picked up, but otherwise, I'm, I'm like books, books is like one, three, five years horizon. They're not immediate, they don't stress me. You know, I have enough yeah. stress at family, at my longevity vision fund work. I don't need more sources of that. I have a funny number for you. Like before invention of, um, of smartphones, our attention span for humans was 15 seconds. Um, so the, the fish in the bowl had nine seconds attention span. So after what we does that got, mean? That what does it mean? Attention span. Attention in this span, like the, it's just amount of time you can focus on one thing. So fish okay. in the bowl every nine seconds, it switched the attention from plant. I probably need that all. Yeah. So like for humans, it was fifteen seconds. Right now, we have less attention span than fish in the bowl. It's eight seconds now. So every eight seconds, our mind is switching from one thing or another to the message from message you receive to another conversation to another external shock or piece of news or emails of someone passing by. Uh, so, I mean, this is ridiculous. I mean, what, I mean, if we're in the business of um, creating long-term achievement, creating long-term self-realization or being happy, what you can do with just by switching your attention and your focus every eight seconds from one thing to another? Let me ask, I can watch TV for a half hour, an hour, and my attention, my attention won't switch. Uh, yes, of course, but uh, I'm not sure I've seen a lot of people who are watching something without actually looking at their uh, iPhone or whatever their phone they have, looking at uh, Messenger. I'm going to tell my wife this because she constantly, I always say you've got to uh, respect the story. Don't You can't look away or you'll miss every something in the story. So I, I know I have a very good attention span, at least for things I love and enjoy. And maybe that's kind of the key there is find more things to love so that your attention span doesn't go down. But now I want to ask, I want to start to veer into the genomics. Uh, the, one of the most hopeful things I read in both your book and David Sinclair's book for the short term is Yamanaka factors. Yeah. Maybe you can explain that and where we are with that. Like that seems incredible. Yeah. So basically there's, uh, there's a number of modifications you can do with particular genes. Though these are particular genes that if you change the expression of this, so you, if you do, if you reprogram how they express themselves and you involve them, um, you actually can reverse aging processes in your body. This is how it works. And um, well, that's been amazing because with this, I think David Sinclair has been able to reverse uh, blindness or you can reverse a lot of aging processes um, 
well, so far we've done it in mice and some other animals. Um, so if you apply this uh, technology and you change the expression of these particular longevity genes, it's just amazing. And you do experiments in mice. In uh, some of the cases, it turns gray hair to normal back again. And it's people are big fans of like um, of um, judging aging on the in in the form of uh, our external appearance. So that's why I'm I'm always using this um, as an example. So it is an opportunity. It's a very promising uh, discovery that we all. Uh, using in our uh, age reversal experiments. So it's called epigenetic reprogramming. And it's obviously the future. It's more and more experiments right now happening in the labs. So I do think in the next five to 10 years, we're going to have breakthroughs in terms of using using this Yamanaka factors um, to reverse aging. But again, it's all, it, it comes down to regulator and people ethics. Uh, people hate the idea of us um, stopping aging. Uh, people hate the idea that we can actually redefine ourselves on DNA level because people always like, we're living in, in a society where uh, inequality gap is widening all the time. So people always looking at the pieces of science or development of technology as a threat, as just another opportunity to... Uh, broaden this inequality gap rather than to close it. And that's actually my belief. So the positive thing about longevity, it can be one of the unifying themes for countries, for societies. And I actually agree with your earlier point when you say that um, because of democratization of technology all the time with enormous speed, uh, what I like about companies that we uh, invested in through Longevity Vision Fund they all bring down the cost of the healthcare by 10 to 20, not percent, but times. So whether we, invo- whether we invest in early cancer diagnostic, organ regeneration, gene editing and gene therapy, it's bringing down the cost of particular healthcare intervention with particular outcome by a factor of 10 to 20. Sometimes it's even 50. So that's very exciting. Let me ask this, and I partially know the answer. Ethics and regulation aside, why can't I take Yamanaka factors or, or do that and test on myself and, and try it out and see what happens? Now, the flip side of that is, from what I understand in the latest research, you know, we don't really know the effects of changing one gene has on other genes. It's not like these are single gene mutations that cause diseases. They're, they're interacting with maybe thousands of other genes. And so... Some of these experiments on Yamanaka factors has caused cancer in mice mm-hmm. and, and yep. so on. Um, but what if I just want to experiment on myself? Shouldn't I have that right to do that? Uh, yeah, I mean, you will need to find a lab and, uh, and scientists to help you with that, which probably going to be extremely difficult to impossible right now. Yeah. So that's one. But- I, I, I think, James, look, we all overestimating the importance of us in the history of evolution. I, I can, yeah, I can see the temptation, temptation and desire to experiment with your own body and mind. But look, just wait for another 5, 10 and 15 years. Stay on longevity bridge. Do this boring stuff. Okay. And uh, it's going to be delivered to you in uh, a much more affordable, less risky, and uh, safer way. 
The one thing I, I question, so when you, now, when you start getting into, you know, the genes on the DNA, there are, there are thousands and thousands yeah. and some diseases like, uh, uh, you know, mo notably, uh, uh, one that's always used as a reference is Tay-Sachs disease. They're what's called single diseases that involve single gene mutations. Yeah. So if we fix that one gene, you solve that hereditary disease. Yeah. But other factors in the body, like let's say height or intelligence or other aspects of longevity, for instance, yeah. Re re yeah. uh, reduction of heart disease, that could be multiple genes and the mathematical complexity of finding one gene versus many is exponentially large. It's yeah. like, you know, it's like counting all the grains of sand on the planet versus mm -hmm. counting, you know, up to a hundred. And so, so the complexity might be so much harder and, and it's computationally exponential. So not even the fastest computers can help solve it. You know, that's, that's the only worry I have in terms of some of these genetic solutions. Yeah, obviously, the, the like the bigger number of genes that you try to influence, the bigger the risk, right? Because you just need to cherry pick what exactly you want to influence. And what we've done um, in the last 10, 15 years, there's more and more new technologies uh, developing and which makes this whole gene editing and gene therapy space more available. Just I just wanted to go through this uh, evolution. Like 20 years ago, it was literally like a handful of people who were about to die, who were just ready for experiments that you just explained. What if I would like to just, you know, be a part of this experiment, right? Then uh, last decade, we more, we were working with so-called rare diseases. And again, I mean, if you combine all of them, it's 400 million people uh, all around the world. But right now with number of COVID vaccines, uh, they all RNA-based vaccines, which is gene therapy. So today, like one third or two thirds of the world can actually enjoy the benefit of gene editing and gene therapy technologies. So this is how fast development goes. So I'm actually, I'm pretty hopeful and optimistic about our ability to influence uh, enormously high combination of genes to, um, to achieve desired effect. And like 3,000 genes for longevity and to stop your aging process is not a lot. We just need to have a technology which can combine it and has uh, minimal uh, or negligent uh, side effects. Right. And I think the the issue is, is that, again, like take Tay-Sachs disease, which is a single gene caused by a single gene mutation. You just have to, that's a switch on and off. Yeah. But like if you're, if you're uh, trying to change some factor that involves multiple genes, it's hard out of tens of thousands of genes to figure out which combination creates the right effect because, you know, you're talking about, I don't know, thousands to the thousandth power of number of combinations mm -hmm. to determine which set of genes have which effect. And that becomes computationally too difficult. It's no, equivalent think, to solving cryptography. Yeah, James, look, I think on, on in terms of the ability uh, for us to draw on computational power, uh, I'm not uh, that concerned. And again, I just want to use the same example, right? Think about three, just 3,000 genes which define the whole aging process in our body. This is not a lot. Are we ready to influence all of them through a particular technology? Obviously, no. But like 20 years ago, it cost us, what, $3 billion and six years to sequence uh, a human genome, one. 
these days, I mean, I, I understand this is, you know, genome of the COVID, not of the human being. <clears throat> like early 2020, it took just a couple of days to people in US, China, UK, Russia, Australia to sequence genome of COVID and start developing yeah. vaccines. So like if COVID happened like uh, 50 or 100 years ago, it would be completely different tragic event in the history of evolution, but not today. I mean, it's still pretty sad and, and it's been dramatic times for us last year and this year. But like in comparison to what could have been happen, it's, um, it's just completely different. And it's all, it's all driven by computational power, science, and the beauty of artificial intelligence. Right, like you mentioned in the book, it took 55 years to develop a polio vaccine, and here it took less than a year yeah, for COVID. Yeah, just a few months, yeah. And it's all about testing capabilities and, um, and uh, vaccine development. And we obviously, we just don't know details, but there's a number of big pharma companies and in, in a, using artificial intelligence as enabler, um, working on the drugs against uh, COVID. So it might not be a vaccine, it might be a drug. So this will come probably late this year, next year as well. And, and, and the Yamanaka factors, which, you know, affect, you know, different genes and so on. This right now seems to be one of the most hopeful experiments, but I want to go one step further, which you also talk about in the book, which is what about, you know, a lot, a lot of the problems with aging is our cells get older, maybe they become zombie cells, creating more inflammation, meaning they die, but they don't get flushed out of the system. Yeah. And you, you mentioned a bunch of cellular things that can happen that, that are theories of related to aging. What about, and you, you mentioned this in the book, what about the idea of returning cells to their, uh, basically their baby state? So like using stem cells and using epigenetics to reap, you know, getting new stem cells in your body and your aging body, returning them to their pluripotent state, their baby yeah, state, yeah, yeah. and then it's, using epigenetics to kind of program them, tell them what to do. Where, where are we with that? Because that obviously reverses the clock pretty heavily and, and theoretically would work when you think about it. Yeah. Uh, look, I mean, this is what, um, uh, Yamanaka factors and, uh, some other technologists, uh, would do. And there's so, so it's just a huge number of things that you can do on the cellular level. Right. Um, so with this in mind, it's, um, I think it's just another five to 10 years when we will be able to reprogram ourselves and, um, uh, and look at what is happening, like in the field of immune oncology right now. Uh, T cells, like a cells responsible for uh, your um, how your immune system works, taken from your body for, or you know particular donor body, reprogrammed, and um, they just put back in in uh, in a body of particular person who suffers from cancer. So you have a, an example of um, highly personalized solution, which is already working. So immune oncology as a part of you know, genetic and gene therapy field is already working. Right now it's very expensive. It's $100,000 in some of the cases, but like the cost of this gonna democratize itself uh, pretty soon. So it's not something from the science fiction book, again, 
this is going to be available for us for uh, some of the applications in the next five to 10 years. And I think what is more promising here is our ability to regenerate thymus, this little organ which disappears or shrinks in size when we turn, well, somewhere around 20. Uh, Wait, what's, what's it called? I've never. It's what, called thymus. Um, How do you spell it? Uh, thymus is T H Y M U S, I think. Yeah. Ah, I see. They, yeah, they, yeah, right. They make the T cells. And like, it's responsible for when you are at the youngest stage of your life, your immune system is working like a hell. It's super efficient. Whatever happens with you, with a uh, few very sad exceptions, uh, you're gonna recover. The problem with thymus gland is that after you reach anywhere between 18 and 23, 25 years, it starts to shrink. So your immune system starts to degradate. Uh, so it works less efficiently. And like one of the companies that we're investing in, it's called like Genesis, is uh, helping us to restore uh, the thymus. Uh, and actually they're using our own lymph nodes to regrow uh, thymus inside our body. It sounds like sci-fi and they, they actually, their first program is with liver. So they're using our lymph nodes to regrow the liver and they started human, they just received FDA approval this year and they started um, uh, human trials uh, this year already. So if you have dysfunction in liver, all they do, they take donor liver, split it in 50 to 70 pieces use very simple laparoscopic operations inside your lymph node. And then in the course of three to six months, you have an ability to regrow your organ inside your own body in a very personalized way. And so where, where are they in that? Like, have they seen any evidence that regrowing the thymus um, is, or, or slowing down the involution of the thymus will help people live longer? Yeah, so there's a number of studies behind it. And one, um, I think it's called TRIIM, T-R-I-I-M, has been done, um, I think it was back in 2018. All they've done, in addition to all the interventions, which you know we think um, extend um, our lifespan and uh, help with age reversal, they also, done, they also um, supplied, I think it was nine men studies, so it's just very small, not really statistically representative study, but it was pioneering. What they've done, they included the growth hormone for thymus uh, in the set of interventions that they've done in course of the year, and they've been able to reverse uh, aging based on biomarkers in uh, in this particular group. So it's obviously they were not regrowing this, but they were using growth hormones to help thymus to regrow and reinstall and, and improve uh, your immune system level. Okay, don't forget to listen to the next episode, part two of this, where Sergey gives specific advice on how to grow younger. 